If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at, only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems? Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at jumpstarthr. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together. You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to episode 99 of the Business, Life, and Coffee show. I want to start by reading our latest review. This comes from Ola, the apartment syndicator, and it says, really enjoyed the podcast and how Joey discussed the topics with the guests. Awesome. Ola. Hey, Ola, thanks for sharing this review here on iTunes. And for those of you that don't know, getting your a review on iTunes really helps with exposure and it helps with getting more people to listen to the show. So if you could do me a favor this week while you're listening and go over on the iTunes and leave a five-star review and share something that you like about the show, that would help a, a great deal. And it'd be a great way to uh, give me a... A a present or a gift for the making it to 100 episodes, which I'm excited is going to be next week. Uh, Next, I also want to give you a heads up and see if you've been following the weekly leadership challenge that I have on Instagram and YouTube. If you've missed it, it's all right. You can go sign up on my Instagram at Joey V Price HR, or you can just search for me on YouTube and there's a playlist dedicated to the weekly leadership challenge. So every Monday you can expect a new challenge that's about a minute or so long uh, to get you all geared up and fired and ready to be a good leader for the week. This episode we have Dr. Diane Hamilton. Uh, I had the pleasure of being on her show and she's going to be on the Business Life and Coffee show and we're talking about millennials, we're talking about leadership, uh, multi-generations at work, all that fun stuff and um, I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. So make sure that you are following Dr. Diane on Twitter. That's uh, Dr. Diane Hamilton. And let her know you enjoy the show. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Business, Life, and Coffee show. Today, we've got a very special guest, and it's someone who is also a radio show host and podcaster. So I know she feels a little bit different being on the other end of the, of the spectrum here with me asking the questions, and that's Dr. Diane Hamilton. She is an award-winning speaker, nationally syndicated author, and C-suite network advisor. You can catch her on her nationally syndicated talk show called Take the Lead Radio Show, 
every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can also listen to past episodes on drdianehamiltonradio.com. She's got an awesome lineup of former guests. Uh, you'll also see me on her. I just, I think that it's great for us to just talk shop today. So we're going to let you in on a little bit of conversations that, that we as peers and professionals uh, in the leadership space have. So welcome to the show, Dr. Hamilton. Well, thank you. And you can call me Diane Joy. It's so nice to be here. I'm looking forward <laughs> to being on the other end of the radio for a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have you thinking on your feet a little bit. I'll do my best. Okay, cool. (laughs) Cool. And so, you know, I can roll through your highlights. You've got books, you've got webinars, and you're very passionate about mentorship and the future of the workplace. Um, But if you could just summarize in a nutshell, sort of, what is your defining passion and purpose for the work that well, you Well, you know, my biggest focus are just communication and emotion-based issues. Uh, when I deal with companies and on my show, you know, I have a lot of professionals that deal with engagement and culture and generational issues. And, and those are kind of the topics that I speak about when I go to, um, you know, organizations and, and events. I just spoke in Vegas recently about soft skills, which kind of encompass all of that. I think a lot of people are hired for their uh, knowledge and then fired for their behaviors. So I kind of like to focus on behavioral issues without using that word because sometimes people take offense. <laughs> you say they have behavioral issues. But it's, it's not really so much that they have problems. It's just everybody has to interact well when everybody's so diverse and has unique ways of learning. And I, I've learned about those different challenges from teaching over a thousand business courses. And, and I te- I've met so many people through my shows and through my training that I just realized that everybody has unique ways in which they need to communicate and to learn our preferences and to learn other people's preferences is huge a step, you know, to, to, to getting past some of those uh, issues. So those are kind of the, my, my focus when I talk and when I, you know, when I go out and work with companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, emotional, emotional intelligence, that's a huge, huge thing that has crept up in the workplace over the past couple of years. That's uh, before my time, but I've, I've noticed that there's been a shift from, uh, and you, you said it even yourself, as far as management, it used to be something where, uh, managers would say to their staff, what can you do for me? But now there's more of a focus of uh, managers saying, what can I do for you? And that shift, I think, is a very critical one that we don't talk about often. Intelligence, because instead of being sort of the, uh, the taskmaster and being able to check things off the list, you actually have to pivot as a manager and become a motivator, an inspirer, and a people manager. Um, so what are your what are your thoughts on that? Robert? Well, I, you know, I wrote my dissertation on emotional intelligence. And so I'm fascinated by uh, anything that has to deal with increasing, you know, empathy and social skills and interpersonal skills. You talk about how things have changed, of who, how you serve people. I, I teach several courses where they teach Greenleaf's principles of servant leadership. Um, so it, there are a lot of people that uh, are trying to figure out how to connect, how to to help the people that work for them to be more effective. And that comes down to a lot of the generational challenges. And you and I talked about this, I think, on our show, my show, about um, the, yep, yep. you know, millennials and what do they want and how do you reach them and what makes them um, more successful. And, and that ties back into engagement as well, you know. And people 
think that engaged people are happy. It's not a sense of happiness. It's a sense of uh, just an emotional commitment to your job. And like, it's Friday at six o'clock. Yeah. Oh, darn, I have to go home. You know, <laughs> you want that, you, you want that and instead of the, Oh, it's Monday. I want to shoot myself. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. Uh, research into the area of engagement and how you get people to just love their job. And I think new generations have a different way of looking at it than past generations. The, the old nine to five thing where you punch in and you better do these hours at this time, it's this way, is going away. And you're, you're getting younger, um, different ways of, of doing things. Or maybe they want to work Saturday a couple hours here or Monday night at night or, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's a different time, don't you think? I 100% agree, and I, I can give a personal story of when I was in the working world, uh, there was a manager who chipped away over time, um, chipped away at my engagement, because I never really understood why it was such a big deal that I showed up at 9 versus 905, mm-hmm. 10, and on the same time, I was staying at 730, working on stuff for the company. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just... There's a huge uh, disconnect between myself. Obviously, I, I, um, I identify as a millennial. Um, I'm passionate, and if when I'm in the zone, it's like a switch that doesn't turn off. And I really hope that managers uh, are listening to this conversation today because I think other millennials identify that. Instead of you know, uh, reprimanding us for, for being late on the front end, see how long we're willing to work on the back end or you know the the type of dedication that we're putting into our work because i was that saturday worker that person that would come in on a on a sunday evening uh but because i didn't show up on uh on on time at the beginning of the workday, there were a couple of t- but i just couldn't <laughs> i just couldn't understand okay i'm putting in more hours I'm leaving after. How was your boss so older? Was he a boomer? Uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Boomer, All right. See, that's the thing. You know, I, my my boss. I was a pharmaceutical <laughs> rep. Um, for I worked at this company for 20 years. I was in pharmaceuticals for 15 of it. And I can remember the the regional manager uh-huh. the very first time I met him. He got in front of the group. And he goes, "If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late." And he would make sure. He made a big point of this that. I'm going to meet you for coffee and there's no way you're going to get there before I do. And, and he made, he would tell stories that somebody would try to get him there a little earlier. And so then he would be at half hour early, until the point where there was no way you could, you could come in the next four and you'd still, you're still waiting for you. Cause he did not believe oh, that you gosh. should be one second late. And if anything, quite a bit early. And that was the mentality of what it was like. Um, grow, you know, I mean, I entered the workplace in the seventies. I mean, you got to think that with Matt then just ending days and getting into just, you know, you, you're still in a different thought process back then it was just so different and you know and then I I worked in sales for so many years and I saw some really successful people that just showed up late and stayed maybe they even left early but then they killed everybody you know they would just be the strong and and to me in sales it's a lot easier because you go well it's numbers who cares when he's here if he's you know it's very quantifiable right (laughs) exactly right but not all jobs are like that I mean some jobs you have to be at a phone the phone's going to ring somebody better be sitting there you know (laughs) so in that case you got to be on time so I think it just depends on the job I think that millennials um you know have to also see where boomers are coming from and the fact that this is the way we were taught and just the way boomers have to look at things have changed we need to lighten up and you know it's got to go both ways yeah, and I, yeah. I, you hear so many people say how do you work with millennials and i'm thinking they're great i mean I, it's just a different <laughs> way you know what i mean i 
I was on the cusp. I'm a boomer, but I'm almost, you know, Gen X area. And so I, I think I'm yeah. an early adopter of a lot of technology. I worked selling computers in the early 80s when, you know, the, most people my age didn't have, just finally looked at a computer last year. You know, so maybe, you know, I'm just saying that if we're, if we're, we're not necessarily everybody yeah. <laughs> in my age group is as into technology as I was. But I think that it it just makes me look at things from a, you know, maybe a younger perspective than my actual age because of my interest in what I got interested in. And it was, um, I, I, I just always appreciated technology and the fact that it just makes things different. And I, I am a huge fan of working virtually. I've worked virtually. I've taught online courses uh, for 11 years now. And um, and when you're a pharmaceutical rep, you work virtually, basically, because there's no office. Yeah. And, and you, so yeah. I'm very self-motivated. And I think the self-motivated people, if they're pulling in the numbers, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, leave them alone. I mean, it's crazy. But in, in, here's the thing. In pharmaceutical sales, they used to tell you you had to work, I think it was 8 to 5. There was no exception. In fact, some managers would sit outside people's homes to make sure that they were working. And if they weren't, if they saw you, you'd be fired. So they made it very clear that if you didn't work those exact hours, you were gone. And then they would give you a territory from, you know, certain zip codes, for example, to work. So I would have, you know, certain cities and I would have maybe, the expectation was that we called on maybe six to eight doctors a day. So you had a certain number of doctors, so it kind of worked out. Six times five, you had maybe 30 a week to see, you know, and you had four weeks. So, you know, you do the math, that's how many doctors you had. Well, I could see like 25 in one minute, you know, and, and then I'd be, I'd go, well, now what do I do? And, but that wasn't an option because you had to work eight to five <laughs> and you, you know, I, I mean, 25 in a minute is obviously an exaggeration, but I could see 10 a day, maybe, you know, I mean, I could do much more than they expected. Yeah, yeah. So I remember at, at the yeah. end of the first week, I was kind of done for the month and I go, well, now what do I do? And they said, slow down. That was the answer I got. And I'm thinking, well, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no sense. Yes. If I could do more, why don't you give me more? So it got to be a game where people really either went home, nobody really did work eight hours, and they worried about getting fired all the time, or they'd hang out in doctor's office talking to nurses, wait, wasting time trying to drag out the day. It was just a totally ridiculous system. And just to say that you worked eight hours. And the thing about boomers is that they didn't get it. And the millennials have finally figured out, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And so the what you're talking about, like my mind is just blown with this whole you have to work eight to six mm-hmm. thing because it just it doesn't resonate right. with me at all. And what it what it leads me to think about is about just how much that can because mm-hmm. as you were saying, you know, I I could I could surpass your expectations of me you know i'm, I'm, I'm you talking to the manager mm-hmm. you know i can uh surpass your expectations of me and so you're telling me to slow down right. as opposed to okay well you've earned the flexibility of working and, and seeing your 10 doctors so i, I just don't it, it doesn't, doesn't resonate with anyone really <laughs> <laughs> but and, you know yeah. it was just the way it was i, I remember yeah. thinking this is crazy <laughs> Yeah, super crazy because uh, you also mentioned about the types of jobs where, you know, you've got to show up because the phone's Mm -hmm. going to ring. And I 100% agree with that. Well, I will 80% agree with that only because now there's technology where numbers can be forwarded to cell phones. Right, but as long as somebody's answering wherever they are. Yes, yes, yes. Right, right. So, you know, I, I, I think that 
boomers, traditionalists, Gen Y managers. Uh, it's a conversation of, of understanding that the, the way we're working is changing. Right. And it's changing, honestly, uh, is leaning towards more productivity uh, versus the old right. way. Right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's really important to consider what the future is going to be with all this because oh, yeah. the boomers are going to retire. And actually, I gave a talk for Forbes about this. And if you go to YouTube and just look up Dr. Diane Hamilton, uh, Forbes Mentor Week, I think is what it is. Um, we, I kind of go over the, let's see, well, it's been a while since I gave that talk, but it's all about the future of the workplace and the generations and how they're going to get along and what are the myths that we have of what the millennials uh, bring and what they, you know, what we've been saying about them, what's really true and what's not. And same with boomers. Yeah. And I didn't really go over Gen X because I didn't have as much time. And the reason I didn't is because uh, not only did I not have enough time, but it, it's not as big of a group. And the focus is going to be on millennials more since they're a huge group. And when boomers retire, that's who we were, you know, basically are going to be the main focus because of the sheer numbers of them. Yeah. I actually, uh, I, I saw that talk that you gave, and you had the uh, the family feud. Oh, you did. Trying to mix you, it up a little. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. I'm gonna have to use that. So I'll credit I'll credit you. But oh. I'm gonna have to incorporate a cool game show into my next. Uh, my next it's talk. fun, yeah. Um, <laughs> in in that talk there, uh, you mentioned Gen X as being patient, and I wonder if that's what makes them so uh, jealous. Is like such a strong word. Um, but maybe that's why there's so much hate for millennials. It's because it's like, hey, look at me. I'm here. I'm Gen X. I'm, you know, I'm the Pepsi generation. I'm cool. But all of the focus is well, on millennials. And so I wonder if that's why we, we get I, such Well, a I don't know. If, you know, I think the people picking on millennials are boomers, too. You know, but the Gen X, um, they're just not as big of a group. And they're in a tough situation because they're the sandwich generation. They're taking care of their parents. They're taking care of their kids. They're taking... You, they, 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 they don't get a break kind of they have half of a little bit of our thinking of that you know you got to be there on time and they're, they're they're leaning towards all that stuff still more than you guys um the millennials i should you know a, which i assume you're still millennial right i i, I can't remember if you were a millennial okay you are a millennial. Yeah. um yep. so i you know you get that um they, they they're kind of in the middle and they're torn between the two different ways you know they 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 are um a, such a small group though that i think that that could make them feel not heard and, um, yeah. it, I mean, there's still a large group, but comparatively to the other two groups, they're not. And so, uh, I, I, th I that's why I think you just don't hear the focus, but I, I think as far as millennials getting bashed, I think you get it from both groups <laughs> and, and I don't think it's fair from either group because I think, you know, it's always the same. Your parents, oh, they hate your music, they hate your whatever, you know what I mean? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> why can't you still be listening to Sinatra and why can't you still be listening to Glenn Miller and why can't, you know, it, it went back, you know, music or whatever it was, you know, my generation, whatever, the Beatles, why aren't you, why are you listening to this? And, and so yeah. you just, um, it's just it's the same thing with every generation it's always going to be our generation was better what happened to you guys it's, it, and and that's that's not always helpful in the workplace <laughs> no no it's not and and gen z is slowly creeping into the workplace i think mm -hmm. they start with folks that were born in 1994 uh don't quote me on it but you know they're graduating they're coming into the workforce mm -hmm. And so are, will the focus be on them? Are they going to be the, the, the new kids on the block that, that get so much negative attention? I'm curious uh, if you sort of, can you project out what that might look That's, like? That's, you know, it's going to be hard. 
Yeah, because that's just such a new group that there's not enough for me to really project out. But I, I think, you know, I yeah. think that what we're seeing in each generation is just shorter and shorter attention uh, spans to, to what they want in terms of how they learn. And, you know, that's one thing. I, I work with supportive advisors in different groups um, that, you know, especially through my education, you know, when I, I work for a num- number of schools um, and that have groups that talk about how are we going to bring education to this group and that group. And, and we're seeing, you know, they want maybe apps, they want something different. Maybe the traditional degree is not going to be what the Gen Z is going to want. You know I mean? They may want, uh, you know, they could Google everything now. They, 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 so why would they want to get maybe a, a formal degree? Maybe they want to pick and choose. I want this course and that, and I want it this way and that. And I, and so I, I look at a lot of that kind of thing more for those generations of how are we going to train them how are we going to make sure that they're at the, at the peak performance because they have new preferences for learning? Yeah, I'm thinking of the fact that when when other generations were young, if you wanted to learn new skills, you either had to align with uh, a mentor who took you mm-hmm. on as an apprentice uh, or you had to go to a now and increasingly with the younger generation, you can just pick up your smartphone. And you can amazing. go to YouTube. You can. It, it's it's definitely amazing. I mean, I was thinking about. I, I call I call YouTube uh, YouTube University <laughs> because you, you can, can learn, learn any skill you want just by searching for it. And I think there was a stat that said seventy uh, percent of folks in developing countries are actually self taught. Uh, and when you I think of that, this yeah. huge, yeah. The huge influx of work that is sent overseas uh, to uh, developing countries um, for various different reasons. But for those people to be self-taught, it, it makes you question, you know, the role of education. It makes you question, you know, what effective ways of sharing skills with people uh, and, and, and skill development within people. Well, that's so really I important. we're in for... Well, you know, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you, Joy, but I think the most important thing, what you're saying, is that, you know, you learn these things, but you're not learning what I'm talking about, what I said I was just speaking about in Vegas, the soft skills. You're learning, you're not getting the humanities, yep. you're not getting how to interact with critical thinking skills. You know, some of that stuff is what's really important when you get a degree, is that you get interactions and group projects and, and critical thinking um, uh activities within these courses to try and develop. See, the problem they're starting to see is that people are having so many behavioral issues because you can just learn knowledge, but you're not learning the rest. And if you can't learn soft skills, if you can't, aren't learning empathy and, uh, you know, understanding of uh, how to treat others the way they want to be treated. It used to be you treat people the way we want to be treated, you know, the golden yeah, rule. Yeah, should golden be. rule, right. uh, platinum rule. Right, yeah. right. It's changing, and you have to think in terms of what makes other people uh, you know, motivated and happy. And, and those kinds of things, it's hard to l- learn on YouTube. And, you know, and yeah. that, that's where I'm curious to see what's going to happen. And that's why I think so many companies come to me for help with soft skills, because I, I, I can, I've gone to so many Forbes summits where you get, you know, top companies on stage, GE or whatever, are out there. And, and they're all every, I mean, it's the same things you hear from everybody. If it's not millennials or engagement or whatever, it's how people are hired for their, you know, knowledge and fire for their behaviors. That the behavioral issues are huge. And if we teach people through modules and different ways, that's fine. But we got to find a way to, to supplement 
and find ways to reach them so that they develop the soft skills. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm also an online professor at a graduate school. And this conversation is challenging me as well to think about how can I further develop the soft skills of my students who none of us can actually reach out and mm -hmm. touch one another. Uh, but we need to learn and develop those soft skills uh, work environments. Well, you can develop it into curriculum. I'm a, I'm the MBA program chair at the Forbes School of Business, and I was working on a lot of that when I did my program review, you know, because I, I really think a lot of courses could improve with activities to, um, you know, develop some of these uh, behaviors. And I think sometimes just posing questions in the discussion boards uh, that make people have empathy, you know, and put, put, your, put yourself in this guy's shoe or this gal's shoe. What would you do and how would they behave and why would, how would they react? I mean, even team activities, you know, that you develop in these courses could, could do that kind of thing. And I, I think interpersonal skills are, are critical of how people re interact in the classrooms, of how you, you, you know, design things. And there's a lot that can be done, and it just has to be built into the curriculum. Yeah, and I think being an HR student and, and MBA student uh, in, the, in the classes that I teach mm -hmm. and the human resources curriculum presents so many ways for you to have empathy, whether that's for conversations on mm -hmm. uh, protected classes, whether it's conversations on uh, glass ceilings in the workplace, right. whether it's conversations about pay disparity and gender inequality. Um, so I definitely try to cope with my student population. You know, they're coming from different parts of the country, mm -hmm. different socioeconomic platforms. And so I think the school environment is a great way to force those conversations in a way that's mm -hmm. productive. And they could do it in work such situations too. They can have breakout sessions at meetings and, you know, I mean, there's ways to do it. It's just that people haven't done it <laughs> enough is the problem. Yeah. 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 So let's, uh, let's get some practical tips here. I, we're, we're coming to a close. I want to be respectful of your time here. Uh, for I, I want to hone in on that conversation of soft skills and its relationship to leadership. If you were in charge of developing young professionals that are getting their first taste of leadership, uh, assess and groom their um, soft skills. Well, I, I think that they need to have communication with the people they manage and lead. And, you know, I, I think that I would ask them, what kind of conversations do you have with, with the people that you work with? And what kinds of things are you covering? And have you looked at maybe Gallup surveys on engagement and the kinds of things that people want to um, have happen at work to make them feel engaged? You know, I, I think that there's a, new, new employees, uh, new leaders, I sometimes want to do the pufferfish thing. They want to blow themselves up to look better and bigger <laughs> and, and seem so knowledgeable. But it's okay not to know everything. It's okay to admit that, you know, somebody that's 30 years old, I don't expect them to know the same thing that I know. I just don't. They just haven't had the world experience. That doesn't mean I don't want to work for somebody that age. I love working for somebody that's younger than I am because they have a fresh new approach. They know all the technology. They know, you know, I mean, there's so many advantages. You have to realize the things that you have that are positive and go to others. Uh, for mentorship, there's always people. I mean, I've had people that reported to me that I learn things from them all the time. You don't have to know everything. Surround yourself self with people that know the things you don't and go to them as a resource. There's, there's no shame in that. 
that yeah, that's a great takeaway. And uh, hopefully our listening audience just breathe a sigh of relief saying, geez, I'm glad I don't have to know everything. <laughs> That'd be pretty hard. <laughs> but yeah, but you need to, but the, you know, the, the follow-up on that is find people that do know what mm-hmm. you don't know. Um, I think people miss out on that and try to gravitate to people that, that sort of uh, have similar outlooks mm-hmm. and similar skills. Well, and that's fine as long as you have both. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you, you're going to want to hang around with people that you have common interests. But there's other people that you need around you. Uh, Steve Jobs had blahs, you know, and you have people that have the, the complement your skills. I mean, Steve Jobs isn't known for being the most emotionally intelligent guy in the world, but he <laughs> he, uh, he was he had issues. But you know, was had yep. things that he didn't have, and that helped you know, balance that. And sometimes, you know, that's what you have to do. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, sometimes when, when I have conversations with guests on, on my show, I think of, uh, t-shirts that could be, uh, created. And, you know, I'm thinking of two shirts where one, one says, you're my Steve. And the other one, you're my Waz. <laughs> and, you know, like a little, <laughs> what? like a, the, the, the business yeah, BFF t-shirt. Yeah, you, you know, you might make a lot of money. Don't, don't get out your ideas on the air, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time this show airs, we'll probably have that rolled out. So. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Diane, I could talk all day uh, oh, I with you. Too. I really too. enjoy our conversations together. Uh, and we've got to do this again that sometime would be fun. soon. But in our, yeah. In our closing moments here, uh, is there anything tell our listeners about that you've got going on? What are some ways that people can connect with you? Uh, and yeah, just what are some of the projects that you're excited about that you want people to know about? Well, you know, uh, my website is drdianehamilton.com. Uh, so D-R-D-I-A-N-E-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N.com. Uh, I, my book is available on Amazon. It's called, I have several books, but the most recent one, it, it's not you, it's your personality. It's all about the... Um, post-boomer uh, generations in the workplace and understanding them through personality assessments, emotional intelligence, and that type of thing. And that's on Amazon. And, uh, we, you know, I'm working as part of the C-suite advisors group. So uh, that's a group that's dedicated to helping C-level executives uh, with content and information to help them be successful doing that. I'm on the board of advisors for Leader Kid Academy, which is a great group that helps kids develop emotional intelligence, soft skills, those types of things in K through 12. Um, and, you know, my consulting, my webinars, my, all that is all available through my site. I do speak I, about, to groups about emotional intelligence, soft skills, engagement, all the stuff we talked about here. So they can reach me through that. Awesome, Diane. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode today, make sure you connect with Diane and let us know by tweeting out on Instagram and Facebook at Business Life and Coffee. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next week. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. 
Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.